Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, called One. Unity is the benchmark of the gospel. And so this doesn't mean that we all need to think exactly the same about everything. This has to do with the essentials of the faith or the gospel itself. We do have diversity. We don't all think the same thing about all the different topics. We don't all dress the same. That would really scare me if you all came in in similar garb. It would be cultic and weird, right? We know the diversity exists, but we are to be of one mind as it relates to the kingdom of God. Amen? We're to put on the mind of Christ. We're to have the priorities of heaven. Number two, we're to maintain the same love. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. Love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. That's how people will know. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. But wives, before you rib your husbands, you're to love your husband as God loves you. Now you'll be working on that one for the rest of your life. All of us will be. That's why we need the love of Jesus flowing through us. That's why we're commanded to put on love in the book of Colossians, to clothe ourselves with the love of God. Now, I want you to be of the same mind, maintain the same love. We've got to maintain it. I want you to be united in spirit. The single Greek word sumsukas means I want you to be one-souled. That is, I want your souls to be so linked the true you is your soul. Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You could win the whole world, but if you forfeited your soul, it wouldn't be worth it. And I want you to be one soul with other brethren. I want you to be linked in the true you to know what life is about and what truth is about and what love is about and to be yoked up one soul. And then finally, I want you to be intent on one purpose. And what is that one purpose? Live a life. Remember last week? This one thing. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your purpose. If you're a Christian, you have purpose. You know what it is? It's to be united to the body in the body of Christ and proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just imagine what might happen if all Christians got united around the gospel. Imagine what would happen if on the national day of prayer, all the Christian churches in Corona and Norco and Riverside, as one person, gathered and cried out to God. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about that we are one. And I will tell you, there's a song by sung by Darlene Check of Hillsong, of all things, where she talks about we're one body. We have one destiny. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. 
And we are endeavor, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We might sum it up this way. Paul might say, don't forget who you are, how you were saved, that you are a product of God's grace, and now I want you to live a life worthy of that. I want you to show this visible unity to the world. I want you to be unified in mind. Not to think exactly the same, but be on the same mission and purpose. I want you to keep the main thing the main thing. We hear that all the time, don't we? Keep the main thing the main thing. I want you to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look into his wonderful face. And the things of this earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is Paul's exhortation. Grounded in divine certainties about salvation, lived out in divine commands of oneness. Simple, but challenging. And it will get harder, because verse 3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. And just in case you wondered, the Greek word for nothing means nothing. Just in case you were looking for a loophole. Do nothing. Now this week, I challenge you to do nothing from selfishness. Do you know what selfishness is? It's sometimes rendered strife in the original language, but it means to put oneself forward. It speaks of partisanship or fractiousness. It is self-promotion and God demotion. Hear that one more time. Selfishness is self-promotion and God demotion. Humanism at its core, which is the religion of the secular world, is me first. Everything else is second. The Christian faith says God, others, then yourself. Humanism says me, me, and me, and then maybe you if there's some leftovers. This week, when you're making your morning cup of coffee, for those of you who are married, and you set it up, and it dribbles into the cup, and you're just waiting, because some of you can't even speak until you've had that sip of the morning coffee. (laughs) How about if you said, you know what? This is for her. This is for him. I know if you're married, you may have to get creative if you're not. But... This week, how about if everything you did was considering someone else before you? (gasps) How opposite is that of our culture? Because the mantra of the culture and the kids that have grown up in the last 20, 30 years is not self-sacrifice or esteem others better than yourself. It is self, come on, esteem. We finished in 14th place in the Little League, but we get a trophy for finishing in 14th place. Here's your trophy. What's it for? Participation. You participated well. You put on your uniform. You, uh, you know, you shined up your cleats. You participated. Yeah, but we finished in 14th place. Oh, never mind that. You're a winner in our book. No, you finished in 14th place. Let it teach you a lesson to get better. 
Or to use a comedian's line, your son stinks at baseball. Face it. (laughs) Sorry, that's probably not a good Christian thing to say. Self-promotion will always be God demotion, but it will be something else. It will be demoting others as well. How can I possibly put others first when the secular city says it's all about me? Notice the second thing, 3A. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Empty conceit is rendered vainglory. It means empty pride, self-conceit, but it's empty glory. When you make it all about you, Frankly, you're just a windbag and everybody sees through it. Pride is the mother of all sin. Pride is what got the devil kicked out of heaven. Pride, according to Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, which is addressed to the king of Babylon, and you can think of Nebuchadnezzar and how God humbled him. But in a, on a secondary level, many scholars believe it's addressed to Lucifer or Satan. I will you know, ascend above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. And God says, no, you won't. And if that view is correct, it walks itself out by Satan taking a third of the angels and causing a split in heaven. This is a little bit debated, but this is one major view. Think about it. The de- if the devil indeed did that, he caused a split in heaven. Should it shock us that churches split and that the devil divides people? Pride is the root of destruction. In fact, I, I shared a couple stories of, of churches that went down and fell hard. And at the root of them, if it wasn't a woman, which in many of the cases with these pastors, it has been, it's been power and pride. You say, well, what's the solution? It's in verse 3, part B. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Rousseau, who was an enemy of Christianity, said, I rejoiced in myself. My consolation lie in my self-esteem. Let's walk down the street. We'll talk about ourselves. Self, 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 self. Do you ever just get sick? of self. Do you ever just get tired of that stuff? Now, I know we got to live with ourselves, so it's kind of hard, but it's a mindset. It's humility of mind. In the Hebrew picture language, humility is interesting. It's the word in Hebrew, shock. It's S-H-C-H. You got to say it with a little spit in your mouth to say it correctly in a Hebrew way. Shock. Something like that. And you know what it means in the Hebrew picture language? Humility means to get low. And another way the, you can take the language in pictures is humility destroys the wall. So get this. In, in the Hebrew language, sin is pictured in a man who has a trowel. And every time he sins against God or somebody else, he puts another brick in the wall. And he erects the wall brick by brick by brick until he has closed himself in with his sin, cut himself off from God because sin separates us from God and from others. Humility destroys the wall. Humility 
brings the wall of sin down so that you can be reconciled to God and to others. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the entire Walk in Truth team and the Church of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, thank you for listening today. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for investing your time in the Word of God and letting Pastor Michael help tour you through it. If you're a first-time listener, also welcome. There's plenty of content and plenty more teaching to come. We've got a lot of stuff archived just for you to get into many more books of the Bible. Pastor Michael's vision, along with the entire Walk in Truth team, is to help equip the body of Christ so that you have a better understanding of what the Word says, and as your faith grows, you can get into your community and better talk about your faith with your friends and family and anyone else in your neighborhood. Now, as we are just halfway through the year, it is my responsibility to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. At least we would like it to be. Airtime costs quite a bit for radio, and it's worth it for us to keep this ministry going. But we could use more support from listeners like you, especially if you are a longtime listener. Could you help us with our funds to be on the radio? All we ask is for a $5, $10, $20 a month commitment from you. Please prayerfully consider doing that. And then visit walkintruth.com, click donate, and click on the station you're listening to. And just follow the prompts. That's walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and click donate. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Humility destroys the wall. Humility brings the wall of sin down so that you can be reconciled to God and to others. Isn't that a cool image? If you want the walls to come down in a broken relationship right now, if, if you want something to be healed in your family or whatever it is, put your hat in your hand and go to that person in humility and it will be resolved. Because God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And when you get low and you put your hat in your hand and you go to somebody in humility, what, what are they going to say? It's when pride gets in the way that walls go back up. Walls come down in the light of humility. And it's hard because sometimes our flesh rises up. And here's the thing. Shock is the end of Mashiach. And it's what characterized the Messiah. And as we study the great passage of next week, we'll talk about how he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We'll talk about what many scholars call his self-humiliation or his self-humbling. And and essentially what Paul is saying is, uh, is if you are in Christ, this is what you do. You you claim to follow him, then you humble yourself the way Christ did. Come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly. I am gentle and humble in heart. Matthew 11, 29, and in me you will find rest for your souls. 
I'm going to use a story that uh, came up, Paul. I'm going to use a story because we were at an event together, uh, the Corona Life Services, uh, dedication of their ultrasound machine. And I found this to be funny, so I, I, I think it'll be cool. Uh, it's not the way you intended it, but it's, it's funny. So Paul and his daughter were at the uh, dedication of the ultrasound machine, and they, Paul told me that he was watching me, and uh, I was just kind of floating around and um, you know, talking to people, and I, I don't think I had a name tag on. And so afterwards, Paul said, you know, Pastor Michael, he, he said, I was telling my daughter that, you know, Pastor Michael's there's a significant sized church in Corona. He's on the radio, but you walked around as a man of no reputation there. And he, and he was saying it in a positive sense, but I kind of took it jokingly and I started introducing myself as a man of no reputation. So uh, there you go. So whatever meaning that has for you. <laughs> Hello, I am a man of no reputation. But uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you, Paul, for that. That was good material. Anyway, verse four. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests. Of course, you're going to have to look out for some of your personal interests, right? But don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also, and this confirms that it's not that you can't uh, look out for your own interests. The Bible commands you to do so, but also for the interest of others. See the word look out? The, the two words look out is one word in Greek. It's scopio. Just like it sounds, it means to scope out. So I want you to imagine a submarine cruising along, and out of the water comes that little scope. This is what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. (laughs) You're supposed to be scoping out the needs of other people. Don't approach them with this kind of gesture (laughs) because it might freak them out. But anyway, scope them out. In other words, you are to be on the lookout as to how you might be a blessing to other people. Isn't that cool? So maybe this week, as you're looking around and thinking about, the Holy Spirit will help you. Someone comes to your heart. Text them. Hey, I was just thinking about you, and I know you're going through something, and I'm praying for you. Or, hey, I was just thinking about you, and I miss you, and I just want to tell you I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. Whatever you might say. Or maybe it's that there's a renewed fervor for something long lost in our culture called chivalry. Take note of that word. That means you open your, the door for your, your lady. You give her flowers when it's not a national holiday. She's shocked. You begin to acknowledge national holidays that you used to say you don't acknowledge. <laughs> Believe me, it matters. Love is not rude. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, and love keeps no record of wrongs. To sum it up, verse 5 will be the bridge verse into next week, but it sums up this section saying these words. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. The word attitude is a word which means a mindset. You know, uh, there was an old commercial floating around and it was, attitude is everything. But the world has this view of it. It's kind of like, you do your best to change your attitude. How many of you have decided on a Sunday, all right, 
make a declaration. Tomorrow, I am going to have a better attitude. I'm going to wake up in the morning and smile. I'm going to practice in the mirror. And so you, you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it now. So it's just like that Monday diet. You know, all right, that's it. Starting the diet. And then it's somebody's birthday in the office and there's chocolate cake. How could you say no to chocolate cake? You're free in Christ. So you say, tomorrow, 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 I love you, tomorrow. Anyway, the Bible is not talking about just try harder. It is talking about imitation, imitate Christ, but there is no imitation without impartation. Are you with me? Jesus, here's one of my prayers. Would you love that person through me? Let it be your love. I might say something like this. Lord, I I got no more to give. I'm out of strength. But you say that those who wait for you will renew their strength and mount up with wings like eagles. So I don't have the power to love. I'm in a crummy mood. I, I could have a bad attitude. So please give me your smile. Please give me your heart for this person. Please grant me your love to give away. I don't have it, but I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So help me put away my pride, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, live through me. Lord, we know that Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This mindset, Lord, is very countercultural, very opposite the world, the flesh, and the, the devil. But it is your heart. And you said that this is how people will know that the Father sent the Son, that the world may know that we are Christians. In fact, the ancients used to say of the church, see how they love one another. Lord, would you forgive me and forgive us for the times that we have failed to love the way you love, the times that it's been easier to nitpick and put down and gossip and whatever else we might do rather than remembering we are a byproduct of grace. We are saved and kept by grace, but grace has implications and we're to live a life worthy of that gospel of grace. And we can't do it by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. So would you help us to learn how to yield more, spend more time with you so that when we walk away from that time, We're so filled up to overflowing that it's just a natural overflow. It's not something we're trying to manufacture. Somebody once said, we're not manufacturers, we're distributors. We simply give out what you give us. Prayerfully, a constant flow to give away. Thank you for your patience with me, Lord. Your patience with us. Thank you that you don't keep a record of my sin. You've cast it away. And I'm so grateful. 
Help me not to keep a record of wrongs and others as well, but to, to have your heart in all things. Now, if you've not met Jesus with your head and heart bowed, those of you who are believers, would you be praying and would you allow the word of God to sink down deep into your soul? Take a moment of reflection, selah, think about it, ponder it. See what the Spirit's saying to you. You've been listening to one, part three on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. And if you missed any part of today's program, don't worry. You can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. Now, if you're a longtime listener to Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it and then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner? No need to sign up for that. Just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com today. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, called The Attitude of Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.